Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jowsman, and with me as always, I have the holiest of holies, I have the Reverend Tracy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I I like that we had like a weird like bout of cold weather, and then now it's just like, yay, actual spring. Like we still managed to have a false spring that uh-huh. I thought we didn't have, but now it's, it's gorgeous. I My wall is blank behind me. I'm slowly but surely getting my house packed up because we move and selling things off. And I don't know, do you ever get like emotional when you sell things that you have memories to? Um, it depends. Um, I mean, like I'm, I'm literally the type of guy, like when I moved in with a professor, I had like a bag of stuff. So that's, that's my mindset. Um, but having said that, if it was something, uh, like a personal memento type of deal, I, I get that, you know, I mean, my grandma was a hoarder. So, <laughs> oh, see, and, uh, my mom too, which is why, yeah, when I moved from Arizona to Portland, it was me and two like carry on size bags, but I, I had to check one of them because you can only carry on one carry on right um so yeah i was like me and two carry on bags but now it's like uh you know i got rid i I hate don't even want to say got rid of it's such a good bag but you know i got rid of one of my uh sold one of my backpacks that the one that i took up like you know saint helens and hood and had been on numerous like backpacking trips with my my the mr reverend and my stepkids so it, it was interesting that that tugged at my heartstrings unexpectedly whenever i sold that this week <laughs> how are you doing i am doing good doing good um yesterday um as i mentioned on our wednesday show um i got my first dose of the vaccine and that was quite the interesting experience um ended up getting it at the convention center downtown and um it it i mean it was i will say this it for as annoying as it was to be there, they did make it a fast experience in terms of uh, getting people in and out of there. Um, you know, I think some people are still a little too comfortable being close to other people, and that you know, with all the people that were there, uh, that could make it uh, that made it a little uh, edgy on times, but. You know, I got the vaccine. That's good. I do feel like crap today, though. <laughs> oh, just wait, because this was shot one. Was is it Pfizer or Moderna? The Pfizer, Pfizer one, yeah. Gotcha. So I had gotten. I don't remember. Did I talk about actually getting my first dose too much on here, or did we just uh, kind of like totally blow over that? <laughs> uh, I don't seem to recall it. Now that may be the weed talking, but uh, fill us in. Oh yeah. So I mean, so I've just got my second one actually on Monday, but going rewind in time back to my first one, I got to go um, because President Biden signed some things and made it so that the spouses and caregivers of our veterans who are getting, you know, health care through the VA, that we could get the vaccine through the VA, which is just excellent. Um, because I've been there, you know, a few times with the Mr. Reverend, uh, and I've always enjoyed the conversations with the veterans that I've had there. I, I, I speak their language, I feel like. <laughs> I, they're, they're kind of my people in a sense. I usually have a good conversation or two, and so I just loved being able to go and get the vaccine there. Um, and it was really kind of interesting because, you know, I may have mentioned once or twice that I struggle with certain like mental things sometimes in some situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in hospitals is not necessarily like when I am my happiest in general. And right. uh, yeah, there is, and you know, the VA, you get kind of an interesting variety of people. And, and a lot of times you get people who, you know, just want somebody to talk to. 
And uh, normally I'm totally fine with that. But when you're in line for your vaccine during a pandemic, you kind of want people to give you your space. And uh, I was not handling that that well. But what was kind of neat about it was being at the VA. They are very in tune to when somebody is uh, displaying being triggered. And I didn't really put it together until I had left. But the, I, I don't want to say that, you know, they were a nurse or a doctor because I, I don't know. I was kind of having a moment at the time. Right. Um, but they handled me really well. And I put together after the fact that, you know, they talked to me a little bit longer. They explained the next steps in a little bit more detail. So it was really kind of cool to have that experience because in most hospital or clinic situations, I'm usually treated like I'm just being difficult. So it was really a pleasant experience in that sense. So I went in, got my shot, no biggie. Fast forward, they they scheduled me right away, which was cool. Like I Mm -hmm. knew when my second appointment was. I've had some friends who've had some real struggle with getting that second appointment, you know, nailed in. Just just a few, but I guess a lot of places are scheduling you for your second one. The VA definitely did that for me. I went back. It was a much less, like the line was nothing. It was much smoother than, than the time where, you know, I felt like I was being crowded and getting a little claustrophobic. But yeah, so I went. Uh, my first shot, I just had like a little bit of a, a headache, kind of, not like a full-blown migraine or anything, just kind of a headache and some grogginess. I did get a migraine like two or three days later, and I suspect it had something to do with it. But other than that, it was basically nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, for folks out there that have not taken it yet, um, you know, for uh, like a majority of the people I've, uh, that I know have, have mentioned something occurring, like, you know, the professor mentioned, um, you know, she had soreness in the arm. I have soreness in the arm right now. And yeah. yeah, And like right now, like I, it's, I, I feel like shit, but it's not that bad, I guess I, I should say. It just feels like it's that feeling you get just before, like, you get the flu, just of your body, just like, you know, something. Oh, up. yeah. Like, that's what I mean, just that body, like, you're walking through egg drop soup somehow, just drag-ass feeling. That was definitely yeah. me a uh, day after my first shot. And so I go, and nobody, like, had uh, – did they have you sit for 15 minutes after your shot? I don't know. If, okay, so that is everywhere. So yep. Tim's nodding for anybody listening. But, um, yeah, so um, I was sitting for my 15 minutes after my second one, and there was some dude there that was having a reaction. I guess he was getting a rather alarming rash on his arm. Right. And so what was interesting is is I think he was more scared of them hooking him up to the monitoring machine than he was of actually having any symptoms. Like, he said he felt fine. And, uh, you know, they're, they're reading him his stats. They've got his finger, like, with the pulse oximeter, and he's all hooked up now, which nobody else is. So I'm sure that's making his blood pressure stay totally calm. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, that was interesting. He, he seemed okay. I went home. I slept kind of through the night. Uh, this was definitely rougher than the first shot. I will preface my story for, you know, recovering from shot two with I have had the flu one time before. And this was nowhere near as bad as that. Like, going back in time when I got the flu back when I worked in a pharmacy, I probably should have gone to the hospital because I wasn't able to walk. Like, it was horrible. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's a little extreme. Our our college solution, just side note with me and my roommates, was just to let me borrow my roommate's wheelie desk chair, and I just wheeled my body through the house for two days. Like, nah, nah, don't go to the hospital. Just just do that. That's right. That's American cool. exceptionalism at its best. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, so I 
I my sleep was just not that good. It's kind of interesting because I've got a Garmin and it tracks like the whole body battery thing, which just rates a bunch of like pulse changes within so many minutes. Um, can indicate. Can you stress. post a picture of the readings? One night. Yes, yes, I'll totally <laughs> share that. Like since we're talking about it now, but so basically, your body, my body battery, usually I. I do have sleep disturbance, but I've gotten some techniques down to get back to sleep really well. So even though I wake up, I still like charge my body battery all the way. I'm like at a, usually starting in the 90s and or 100% body battery. And then I got the shot and I woke up to it being like in the 70s, which is like not the worst in the world, but, you know, still not not what I'm used to. Right. Like significant difference in how my body, quote unquote, recharged overnight. And because it also measures like how well you sleep. It, it's an average of a bunch of statistics it gets from being a smartwatch. Right. That's what you're right. you're getting with some of this technology. So as the day progresses, I swear, I promise, like I know I am not good at resting and relaxing when I'm sick. I will admit to being bad about it, but I promise I really was a good kid. Like the, the biggest thing I did, I think, was I took out the dishes and I went on like a few walks just to move and be outside, you know, and be away from yeah. people because, I, you know, I had a fever. Yeah, but it was explained by having the shot, but still way, way far away from people. Um, but yeah, like, and my body battery reading just kept nose diving and it kept updating the message because it tries you know garmin tries to help you by giving you advice based on these readings it's like hey you should find time to rest today uh, at one point and then later like it was four o'clock in the afternoon and my body body battery had just plummeted to a five like and i did i felt like ripe shit like, um, I, I had, uh, uh, I wasn't nauseous. So that was the one thing is I, I hate being nauseous. So that is the one symptom I'm just super glad I didn't get, but my, my hips were just, they started aching and then it was just all of my joints started aching. Oh, and man. then I had like weird skin sensitivity. So like with the flu, how you can get aching joints and skin sensitivity, those were the two things I got. And Oh, that arm hurt like none other. Like at one point I woke up in the middle of the night and it was just so I can win my arm around just to kind of get it to move and get it to just feel a little bit better but yeah four o'clock in the afternoon my body battery was down to a whopping five and the little note said you should go to bed soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah luckily i'm not at that point but um, maybe it's just the microchip hasn't implanted to the brain stem yeah you know i i, I don't know but yeah. um you know after that implants then we'll see how i feel after that well, but um and, and the second one of course because this isn't a one dose that you had so you've got your follow-up appointment right Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, for um, anybody uh, in the Portland area, if you do have it um, at the convention center or um, to Tracy's point, anywhere you go, it should be standard that they should automatically schedule you for the second appointment. Um, if not there when they give you the shot, they may be able to do that um, when you set it up. Like on Walgreens, for instance, I think if you schedule an appointment there, it schedules the second one when you schedule the first one, too. So it's it's yeah please get the shot everybody wants to get back to some semblance of normal here and the quickest way we're going to do that is by listening to health experts and that's 
getting a shot, wearing masks, um, just, you know, I want to watch movies again. I want to go to the movies, and, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I didn't choose that to be my expertise in life. I, I did not choose to go and become an immunologist, but we mm. do have some really good immunologists who get no money from us getting this vaccine. Like, we're not paying for it. Um, but, yeah, Actually, so my... Actually, you're incorrect on that. The um, there and that's actually causing a problem overseas because due to when um, the everything was put into place by the Trump administration to start research on uh, the vaccines and whatnot, um, the company like the Pfizer vaccine, they own the copyright to that vaccine, and um, the legally, thanks to stuff Trump put into uh, paperwork on that, they are not allowing other countries to uh, use this because it would be against their patent and apparently they would lose money. So people in India now are dying in droves. It is it is a humanitarian crisis in India just simply because American pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies don't want to let their patents to have any sort of a waiver so people can just quickly make some medicine and, and go from there. They want to make money. So question, the immunologists, though, are they getting any kickback or money from this? No, 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 no. Okay, I'm so I'm, I'm that's talking, what I meant. I, yeah, I meant like okay. the sources of people to listen to of should you get it or not? Should you be wearing a mask or not? Like it, it goes back to the trust your resources thing. So, mm. yeah, if, if they were getting some kind of money from <laughs> Pfizer, I would totally be eating my words right now. But to clarify what I meant was I'm not paying these immunologists the immunologists are not getting money for this, to my knowledge. Um, yeah. That is, I mean, please continue if you wanted to keep talking about that. I just wanted to at least clarify, like, yeah, I just meant, like, the people that are saying, you know, yeah, the no, experts, the like, that we should maybe be looking to for advice on how to help stop this aren't directly benefiting from us getting the, the vaccine, other than, like, humanity doing well. That's how they benefit yeah. from us getting the vaccine, I guess. Well, and, and for, when it comes to that, like, yeah, if, like, it came out that Dr. Fauci had, um, like, regular payments by the Pfizer Corporation given to him, imagine what that scandal would be. I think oh, there are yeah. laws in place that, that would uh, kind of prevent that from happening. So, yeah, to your point, medical officials listen to what they say. Don't believe memes on Facebook. Don't uh, listen to um, talking points uh, on media that are against. This, this is not a political point. This is a health point. If yes. you do not listen, you are going to, if not have negative health uh, issues yourself or face potential death yourself over this, you're putting other people in danger. Yeah, and I'm sure you've got your expertise and whatever it is your expertise in that that immunologist knows jack shit about, but unless you've studied and really understand, like, all the effects and da-da-da, like, I just don't understand why you would go with somebody who's not an expert in the field. But that's just an IMHO on how I select who I listen to. Because, you know, it's a, big, it's a big topic. Like, hey, are you getting this shot? If you are, how do you feel about it? If you're not, why are you not getting it? And it's another just almost it's it's been driven to a point of being politicized again, where it's almost like the frickin' twenty sixteen election conversation all over again. It's just really heated. It's making families not speak to each other anymore. Like it is amazing how little it takes to spark the same fight over and over that ends up 
just being about like an issue, but it ends up kind of causing all these rifts and fights and division amongst people and friends and family. So it's been a topic for me lately for sure. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, actually the professor and I kind of spoke about that a little bit on this past Wednesday show. Um, the one we had to pull out of a hat because of a technical recording during the life force, uh, recording. But, um, you know, back in 1996, Bill Clinton, uh, signed into a law, a federal communications act, uh, bill that author that allowed, um, t- uh, companies to own more than one communications so they can own all the radio stations they wanted or all the TV stations that they wanted uh in the past it was they they only kept it to where you could only buy uh, like an x amount within a within a region to prevent like what we're seeing now and uh now we're looking at you know like literally three to four companies that own all of uh the news organizations out there and um you know look at the i mean news is a business and as a business, they are giving you a product and they want you to continue to use that product. So they are going to use whatever trick they can to do that. And normally that involves um, late, the, the past you know, t- decade, at least, if not longer, it's, it's they've been just stoking the fires of tribalism. You know, the whole, you know, like on the conservative side of things, it's all the Democrats are evil. They're killing babies and drinking their blood. And I'm not being facetious. That is argument of some of these people. People. Um, and then, of course, you have the the progressives that are arguing that every single uh, person who proclaims to uh, be a conservative is somehow evil. And again, absolute uh, statements, as we said uh, many, many times, it's simply not true. And it's, uh, you know, I, there are, it's like, what do we do to solve that? I mean, it's like in the past, um, what kind of started snowballing all this was in the 80s. Do you, have you ever heard of the fairness doctrine? No. That was an act that was in place. Um, it was a law that stated that if there is a news segment that um, primarily features uh, t- uh, talking from one point of view, you must have give equal time to the opposite point of view. And President Ronald Reagan, um, the guy who, um, when he was governor of California, pardoned country music singer Spade Cooley. Spade Cooley was in jail for brutally murdering his wife in front of his daughter. Um, but yeah, that Ronald Reagan, when he, um, <laughs> I know I'm using a bad faith argument there, I know, but um, we're learning about that in class this week, and I sent you a video about that. But um, but he uh, rescinded the fairness uh, doctrine, which directly which directly created stuff like uh, you know conservative talk radio because like within a year of that happening, guess who hit the airwaves nationally? Rush Limbaugh, and we all know what happened after that. Um, you know, to me, I think we may need to investigate whether we bring something like that back. You know, it's like they're it's because clearly when you have you know news organizations that are you know blatantly giving false information about a pandemic, um, information that if followed could put plenty of people in danger, if not kill them. It's just like, where do you start the regulating process? Because if that is not an if that is not an example of somebody like going into a movie theater and yelling fire, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, and it honestly kind of seems like it wouldn't be the worst response in the world to this whole fake news thing that we just experienced and how much that can affect things. Like, maybe that wasn't necessarily the best idea to take it away because then it's you're only hearing a one-sided argument. You know what I mean? Whereas if at least uh, if you trust the person and and the, the people who put together whatever news show you prefer, won't mm-hmm. name names, literally any one of them, right? I'm going to trust the news source that I prefer and the guests that they try to bring on from the opposite side better than you know, trying to go and listen to a news source that I don't feel like I can trust so that I can get something from the opposite side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's an IMHO opinion of mine right now that I think I just formed live with you guys that I would be very, very for seeing something like that come back. And as always, if you guys have any input on like, actually, here's maybe a reason you that that's bad, I'm always open to hearing it. But to me, it seems like a very reasonable way to respond to what we've been through. Yeah, I mean the the potential drawback would be something like you like like Hannity for instance is notorious for having somebody from the progressive side but it's always somebody you never heard of and it's always like someone who's essentially like uh you you know they like just graduated college and not and are not as articulate at, on on any particular topic as as someone who you know maybe you know working as a correspondent with a different network or something like that you know so it's there's still going to be human there would still be human error involved in that but you know i would think that would be one way to kind of have some balance force some balance without there being regulation because we do have to be careful of you know we don't want a situation to where the government just says something you know says like the entirety of fox news is bad and must go away you know i mean because you know we got we we have to worry about the first amendment too and i you know i think there is there has it's worked in the past there are ways to to do this that allow people the freedom to uh, relay the news and not but that's another thing we talked about in class too it's like there is a difference between slant and bias you know that you can listen to somebody who has a conservative slant but they can still are be telling you the truth you may not necessarily agree with them but you know they are principled you know um you know for example someone like chris wallace who uh does fox news sunday is generally someone i actually trust because you know Routinely, he's putting questions to people um, that are not expecting uh, those types of questions on Fox News, and and he's putting feet to the fire. You can respect that, but you, what you gotta kind of look out for is bias, and that's what I think more people should be kind of tuning in on. You know, what it, what it, is there? Uh, and by bias, I just mean you know they're presenting it in such a way that you like you know exactly where they're at. You know. It's it's not it's not the same as knowing a particular reporter may have voted for a Republican at some point. They are framing the article or the news story that they are doing with obvious bias. Like for example, there was a Daily Caller article uh, I, I read today where they said uh, uh, someone in Minneapolis was fined twelve million dollars for burning down a police building as part of in quotations peaceful mostly peaceful protest. 
and it's just like you know where they're standing they're not being honest with with, with that reporting and stuff like yeah. that that is a clear instance of bias whereas other sites you you can definitely see their slant but they're not they're not lying to you essentially you know by by using little tricks uh to to get you to think in a certain way yeah see i don't know that's i i have that natural thirst for trying to get people that bring on respectable humans from both sides um you know i'm pretty sure i've already talked on here before i do listen to opb and npr and stuff like that because yeah yeah sure sure there there are some times that they hit me at six o'clock in the morning and it, it's very much the headline type guilt they they have the headline grabber guilt too i i will totally say that about them they they do it as well mm -hmm. um emotionally driven headlines that are designed to make you click on it right but um yeah but i do give them credit because when they do get two humans together they don't like intentionally get one very well spoken on the side that they support and then one that's like a buffoon or somebody that's easy to fluster or or things like that like they yeah. do genuinely tend to but i don't know i guess you can't really make that happen across the board because that's up to you as the shopper like I, I i guess i just wish people were naturally drawn to want that more because then this wouldn't even have to be a conversation like to want to seek out that calm conversation to make decisions instead of picking at emotions and eliciting people there yeah, because like the, the, an in, interesting point that I read in school this week is um, that you know m when you have people being told for years that talking about religion and politics in the workplace is not a good thing, what you are ultimately teaching them in the long run is to not have these conversations. So when people do in real life, it gets contentious. You can have an argument with somebody about these type of topics in a respectful constructive way without you know at the end of the conversation you know having your mind changed necessarily you know if i'm going to talk to a conservative person about immigration policy uh, you know i can guarantee that at the end of the conversation there's probably not going to be much they can say to change my mind but if I'm respectful for one and two, you know, argue appropriately and not, you know, hyperbolically or anything like that, then maybe I can learn something. Maybe I can get some insight. Maybe that can be a, a time to where when you get two heads uh, that are, you know, in different areas together, maybe compromise. Oh, my goodness. How would that be a bad thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That's that's really all I can say. That's just such a yeah statement. Like I, I don't understand the sinking into the high emotional where you're just yelling at each other. And at that point, you're so worked up that you don't want to be even sounding anything close to sounding like that you could change your mind. Like It's really interesting to me. It's just it's one of those those um, areas that you're just expected to believe everything that you're ever going to believe from the beginning of getting into it. And if you change your mind, well, then you're a flip flopper. Like there's no room for evolution <laughs> or hearing an argument like you are definitely expected not to change. And that even goes with religion. That goes with politics. That goes with even raising kids. Oh, my gosh. Like some of that's the topic. But, um, yeah, um, and it's like I, I just kind of wish we had a culture that's a little bit more open to talking about things and having discussions because is that not how we get better at things? Like as humans, we, we crowdsource. I mean, God, you can go online and find out like eight different ways to make oatmeal bars 
because like we crowdsource so much with other things, <laughs> but people are so afraid to kind of talk and open up certain other conversations. Granted, that's that's a really ridiculous, like an almost hyper, like just being silly level of comparison. Oatmeal bars is not near to the level of like life or death that some people feel like religion is, but. Yeah, it's, but still, yeah, I mean, the fact that we do have this fear and, and, and a lot of it is, um, in my opinion, thanks to stuff like social media. I mean, we've talked about it before, how, um, you know, the algorithm, excuse me, the algorithms are in place on no matter what, so, excuse me, I can't, God damn it, um, on whatever social media um, outlet you're using, they're in place to, again, like news organizations, keep you engaged and keep you on their platform. And, you know, it's great if they can do that with cat memes, but most of the time it's through negativity. It's about people bickering about a movie coming out. It's about people goofing on a silly celebrity. It's about people going into tribalism fights about um you know just what's happening in government when you know just if i mean that's it's yeah it's there are a lot of problems that you know it's that that need to be addressed in this country and you know it's after listening to the president's speech uh last night in front of congress it's you know i'm thinking uh, hopefully, hopefully we have people that, that kind of see that, you know, we do need to make some change, whether it's, um, you know, infrastructure change, start actually using the government to um, build up the middle class and the poor again, you know, invest in education purposes there or what. But do we, ha you know, how do we add how do we add stuff like news on there because that does need to be addressed you know um you know again with stuff like fox news propagating um coronavirus misinformation i mean like how does that get addressed it needs to be addressed um because you know they 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 endangered lives yeah yeah I, I didn't see the president talk. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it for as far as the talk, I won't go to go into in depth on that. But it, he he basically proposed uh, um, new legislation that if it were enacted as as it proposed, it would uh, do. He would do. It would uh, do stuff like um, uh, to community college. Two years of community college would be free for everybody, um, and you know just other uh, other like investments in like uh, broadband internet for rural areas kind of showing that up um he wants like 80 billion dollars moved over to the irs so they actually have the resources to go after rich people who are um avoiding their taxes because currently um there are i mean rich it's easier for a rich person to screw off on their taxes than a poor person because it's easier to go after a poor person because they don't have money for lawyers that can fight it over long periods of time and, you know, if we do stuff like that, then that will definitely make things more fair and also raise the tax rate on the uber rich and not, you know, fall for stuff like um, the not like they want Republicans want to get a get rid of like the inheritance tax, for instance, which would, you know, essentially allow like works of art, for instance, to be transferred from generation to generation without and without having to pay that tax that that work of art could, you know, go from like a hundred thousand dollar painting to like a five million dollar painting and that's pure profit for for the rich people but you know typically that's something that would that would be taxed and you know so there there was a lot of good that he proposed 
we'll just see what what Congress can actually get done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I try to be, you know, optimistic when it comes to these things. I'm hoping for some good turnaround. I I saw so many alerts that he was talking yesterday and I just did not muster the emotional energy to go (laughs) and watch it. I was I just gotten my shot and recovering and everything, and I was like, "Yep, yep, I'm, I'm not, I'm actively not watching it. I well, feel like such a bad kid." Well, people ended up. Uh, if you did watch it, you got a chance to make fun of Ted Cruz because <laughs> that, and that's easy to do. Um, but we, but um, he, I guess, at one point looked like he was sleeping, and just that that became uh, a cannon fodder on uh, Twitter. <laughs> oh man. I mean, he's one per. If there is anything I support, it's publicly mocking Ted Cruz until the day he dies. He needs to be just. He needs to be ashamed for existing because a person like him is just absolutely disgusting. No morals whatsoever. Um, just he's just disgust. He's a disgusting human being. Him and his entire family. See, and I, I try so hard not to like pretend like I know people based on whatever public persona whatever they're being to be a politician or whatever they're being to be whatever person they are. But I, I'm not going to defend him. Um, (laughs) I I won't openly like hope for anything horrible to happen really hardly to anybody. Oh Um, no, no. To be clear, to be clear, I would never want anything to happen to any, you know, for, for a Republican politician that just simply supported Donald Trump and didn't do things like be actively involved in the insurrection. All I wanted was just for them to be publicly shunned. You know, I don't wish any sort of violence. It's like the morons on uh, Twitter that made a video in town here um, with masks on doxing and threatening mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, I've made it no secret that I think Ted Wheeler is a loathsome human being, but I just want him recalled from office, which total recall pdx.com go to that website. You can find out how you can get Ted, uh, Ted Wheeler out of office starting this July. But again, he needs to be Ted Wheeler needs to be dealt with appropriately at the ballot box or through a, a recall effort. You know, when you are making videos and giving his home address and threatening stuff like blood will be shed, that's not helping anybody. And I don't, and to be clear, I don't think people should have to defend themselves against the minority of, of their group. You know, I, don't like ted wheeler those people don't like ted wheeler they don't speak for me but it's important that when something like that occurs that i stand up and say that even though i think ted wheeler's disgusting human being he does not deserve to be threatened his physical well-being he should not be threatened or hurt or anything like that for doing his job you he handle that maybe in the just do a different job that that's what is being asked for like maybe he can go and just do something different now and that's the thing that's how voting works it's if it's a publicly held office and enough people say hey i think you're shit at your job well then you you vote and that's how you speak for things like that because that is our right that is, but think about what's happening in California right now. Um, California, they have initiated recall uh, recall election for uh, the current governor, Gavin Newsom, there. And it's uh, kind of bringing back memories of what uh, brought Arnold Schwarzenegger into office as governor. California has just weird law with as many people that live there. Only 12% of the population needs to sign a petition to be able to get a recall election on the ballot, which... 
you know, th- there are probably that many QAnon supporters in California to, to be able to get it no matter what. And it's what I don't like about recall processes. It's uh, with something like this or something like a few years back with Scott Walker is that unless we are talking about someone in office who did a crime, if the only reason you want to do a recall is that they, w- they were doing their job and they did something you did not like, that is not helping anything. A recall or a removal or impeachment from office is, is, in my opinion, supposed to only be there for people that really abuse the office. Someone is not abusing the office by doing doing their job, but just doing something that you would not do if you were in their place. Right. Big difference between the two. That is fair. Yes. But then when you do see these elections come up, you know... Recall elections, special elections. See, we can even transfer over into something. I mean, we've got other things I think we want to talk about too. But oh, yeah. you know, it's just it's that's where it's time to actually get involved. Is uh, you know, and that's something I've appreciated about being an Oregon act to figure out how these things work when I get to Maine. Because mm-hmm. man, have I been spoiled with just I get like I forgot that I signed up for texting. Um, so that I would know that my ballot, you know, got received and everything like back when I voted in November. And right. so it was really funny that I just got a text like, Hey, we're just letting you know that we've, we've already mailed out your ballot for the special election. Don't, for, don't forget to do that. You, your ballot mailed out. That's, that's gone its way to you person. And, uh, those are the things I'm going to have to try to figure out in Maine because man, have I been spoiled here with that. <laughs> yeah. And Maine is a unique beast. I mean, for the most part, my understanding is that it, it is conservative but um like susan collins is the senator from maine and if if that is the level of conservative that would be okay with me um even though they did have a governor there for a while um i think uh, wayne lepage or something like that it was just a loathsome human being <laughs> but um i know john oliver it would always bring up clips from the governor just running his mouth and uh doing stuff but um it's not it's not like going to like mississippi or something yeah. like that so more on the conservative side but you got stephen king there so it can't be that conservative well, I mean, I'm also so I just did a quick little little Google search just to see if I had anything to add through that. I just immediately brought up this uh the Maine Beacon. Uh, Maine is the nation's whitest, most rural state that doesn't vote Republican. Was the headline there? So I was just because yeah, I, I don't know. I know um, a lot. It's it's kind of on par with here. It's not super religious there. Um, it's a lot of atheists, a lot of agnostics live there. I think even like the per capita rate was a little bit higher than here. Um, and then there's a lot of white folks. I did remember reading at one point, like it's a lot of white honkies. So I got to get used to that. But Hey, you know what? They also do, uh, like the reenactments. So I might try to get into that for gig stuff. Like as I'm slowly kind of starting to learn what's going on in the area. Um, but yeah, we had looked up some stuff about that because, you know, religiously speaking, we just kind of like to know what our surrounding area, what the temperature is. Um, what's super funny is I know I've mentioned that I intend to try to put together a five-year plan to open a vegan cafe. And, uh, there you want to so i there's this app called happy cow just 
a total digression for for our listeners, I guess. And if you don't know what it is, it's Yelp, but very specific to vegan and vegetarian diet. So, you know, you've got like the little green two leaves and that means it's strictly vegan place. If it's green in one leaf, it's a vegetarian place. And then if it's like, you know, red with one leaf, it's like, oh, there's options, which means like, enjoy your French fries and broccoli. Uh, <laughs> oh, that rebut. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say that's totally a thing. I've experienced that before. Like I showed, I was like, "Yes, you've got vegan or vegetarian options." Like, yep, broccoli. You can have broccoli. Um, my, as a kid, um, when I would go to my dad's house on the weekends, that's uh, when uh, he he was a Seventh Day Adventist, and um, you know, briefly talked about it. You know, they have uh, kind of roots uh, with uh, with health aspects with uh, John Harvey Kellogg, um, the create you know the guy who created cornflakes and all that stuff, uh, or his brother did, but um, based on his recipe, um, I saw the show too, uh, the food that built that Amer- that built America. But um, oh, so good. Yeah, um, but oh god, what was my point? God, it slipped my mind. It's not 420 anymore, Tim. You have no excuse for this. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no, what were we talking about again? I, I will remind you once you bring it up. So I was talking about you, what were you talking, uh, we were about? talking about? Vegetarian options and how it's like here, enjoy your oh, French fries. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. In the eighties, in the eighties, he um, was was trying to be a vegetarian, just like other Seventh Day Adventists. And uh, we would go into Burger King in the eighties, and he would ask for a vegetarian Whopper. And a vegetarian Whopper in the eighties was buns, mustard and ketchup, and lettuce and tomato, and that was it. That was a vegetarian oh whopper at the time. <laughs> that's so not. That's not good. Um, that's gross. I mean, yeah. I just really shouldn't say it's gross because it's really. And and if he had cheese on there, because that's vegetarian. If you do dairy, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do love how many options there are now. Like now, it literally is just like, well, our sauces have we don't know in them, but at least the patty is beyond beef. Like, oh, they're trying. Um, like the whole thing with the Burger King Impossible, like, oh, we never said it was vegan. We just said it was a vegan patty because people got really mad. <laughs> and then my favorite is I did try it and they actually asked me, would you like bacon on that? I'm like, got it. You are not pitching this as a vegetarian option. This is just a, oh, you missed beef when we got scared that we wouldn't have beef anymore option. And now they're just trying to sell this burger but anyway like looking at that i found out there's like one vegan restaurant in the area <laughs> but uh yeah see now i kind of look into this a little bit more because just clicking through you know a little bit of, of googling there i'd found a political ideology by state and it's showing that they're actually pretty even split but it's showing like a 2014 thing but now well, i am actually curious because it has like 34 percent conservative 33 percent moderate and 30 percent liberal and i'm like am i I'm, I'm moving to my forever home guys like i just i found it i found the even split but like i said it, it says 2014 at the top so i almost wouldn't even think that's the same anymore not not after these last four years yeah well i mean th- th- keep in mind though too i mean um that that area of the country is normally a little more if if it's 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 not it would not be straight republican it would be more purple if anything else because like mitt romney for instance used to be governor of massachusetts in that area and um for a republican to be elected governor at that point he's not going to be what a typical republican would be so um you know yeah if if i i would would have no problem living in that in that area of the country myself because I don't think um, it would be 
there would be too much extreme tribalism going on as much cross fingers, hopefully, you know, but what's cool is I'll be reporting from there in just like two (laughs) months or so. And so you'll get to know, and maybe sometime you can come out and visit me. There we go. See, it'll Uh, be a fun time. (laughs) Yep. Now, in the meantime, you have uh, been quite busy with the Hero Circle. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because um, it was something I didn't even really think to mention when we did our recording last week. But this past Sunday, the 25th, was, I mean, to be fair, there is like a dozen, oh, like there's an awareness day every day. Like every day is basically an awareness day for something, right? Mm-hmm. And probably any given day is like multiples at this point because there's just so much but for the 25th of april that is parental alienation awareness day and so there was actually a really big panel event that happened on the 25th um that you know was hosted by victim to hero which is you know one that i'm kind of working a little bit more with you know in general um at least that's where i got introduced to even getting involved in doing the hero circle was by getting in contact with um, Victim to Hero. But they hosted a really great panel where they brought in people from all sorts of organizations, awareness movements, and nonprofits, and just kind of talked about, uh, it was a solution-focused conversation, like what we felt could help end this from happening, reduce it from happening, whatever you want to say it. Um, so that was really cool. We went on, uh, we were supposed to be on at 11.30, but it got you know pushed a little bit because technical issues, and of course, because everything's virtual and everybody's trying to get like on this one Zoom call, like at the right time, right? Right. <laughs> so I uh, did that, and that was actually the day after I hosted my first survivals, Survivors panel, um, where I did some interview, uh, interviewed other, you know, adults like myself who were alienated from a parent, sometimes both parents, I'm coming to learn, like, some of the interesting swell of the complication of this issue. But, um, yeah, so that was really cool, too. And then uh, that's basically it. It just it was a lot of energy going up to that. And, of course, I was just, like, really flipping nervous because naturally, you know. <laughs> if I don't I, know exactly every scripted moment of something, I'm going to be a little nervous about it. But I, I think I did well. I, I felt like I did well in the end. You did. I, I, I didn't watch the entire thing but i did watch uh, some of it um i did notice uh um the the, the smile on your face did kind of look like a deer in headlights <laughs> you know like i'm so nervous i hope they don't notice <laughs> you know? oh yes but i think as i do more stuff it's just going to get easier for me like because anything you have to realize, yeah. yeah well i mean you have to realize a lot of my speaking Sure, it's public speaking, but I'm in a character. Whereas this is that situation where you don't want to be in a character because when you're trying to raise awareness for something you've been through, that's when you kind of require being a little bit more your raw self. Um, So it is kind of interesting, like getting my head around doing that instead of something where I can kind of prepare my sass and prepare how I'm going to be because there's a character. Meanwhile, it's like, oh, no pressure in being yourself on any form of public speaking stage. (laughs) No pressure. I mean, I I think I had like kind of a good head start with it anyway, because that was a compliment I'd gotten from one of my friends whenever I had done stand up a few times with them Uh was that, you know, not a lot of comedians get up there and it's like the same person that you like or drinking your beer with or hanging out with or whatever and he had said like yeah it's like you're still you on stage which 
piece like that that's a really cool thing because that's not the case and I, I hadn't even thought about it because I was like wait yeah because I've seen you do stand-up and you're way not the same human as you are when you're on stage <laughs> but uh yeah this is one of those situations where I'm, I'm learning and I'm adapting and it's going well I think I've actually got uh podcast interviews that are starting to be set up with that so I might share those in the group for anybody interested I don't want to turn friends talking nerdy into the reverend talking about her <laughs> her organization <laughs> stuff so but well, we it was the, it was good times yeah well remember we got the website too and um you know you you have the option of uh, throwing stuff up there uh to uh for that but um yeah definitely uh throw it up so people uh can definitely um check it out i would definitely recommend that um but yeah do you want to talk about the election Oh, yes. Let's talk. We, we kind of talked about this really cool thing about living in Oregon before, and that is I got this really cool voters pamphlet the other day. Yes. Um, and it was nice because this is the stuff that I felt like I always missed because I was definitely one of those kids that I was like, okay, well, I vote once every four years. Like no. I, I was, I was one of those for a long time. And well, so same now, here. Yeah, I'm not throwing stones. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think with Rock the Vote, you know, and how much they pitched about it, that they would have told us about all of them, but they just told us about the main one. So yeah. uh, I love it because it's really kind of made me more aware as somebody who does like to participate in these things, um, because I don't recall ever even getting voters pamphlets like really on the regular. Like I think you kind of had to go out of your way to get that information. But, um, yeah, so we've got this cool Multnomah County election, special district elections that we wanted to at least gush about for a minute, I suppose, and reckon. Yes, and uh, kind of talk about the slight differences, too, because even in, you know, you have one city in Portland, different uh, different neighborhoods uh, apparently have different uh, uh, voting things that they're talking about. But, um, yeah, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's just the reason we are doing this is we want to do our part to, to encourage people to stay active because the reason we got the last four years is that we were not active we slept on our laurels um and a lot of people thought in 2016 myself included that there's no way that you know they would vote for him come on and look what happened you know when you have a misinformed <laughs> sorry <laughs> I just hit the wrong button, like, first. <laughs> I've been so sneaky about it up until then. Okay, so before we get into the special election, I'm so sorry. Let me explain what just happened. So in Portland, we have an issue with black ants. And as my partner and I are spinning up to move, obviously things are changing. And we've kind of noticed we've had a lot of ants out hunting. And I, uh, I do consider myself to be a Buddhist human. And I do uh, try not to needlessly kill things so then what i realized is i've got this little bissell guy so i can suck them up when i see them so i've actually been doing that and then walking this canister like way far away and dumping them out like i'm sure they might end up dead anyway but i don't know i i, I haven't looked into that much anatomy of an ant i pretty much think that they make the core of our earth that's that's my belief my personal belief <laughs> Is yeah. that we just live on a core of ants. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to make the insensitive ass joke that I made in private because I have learned that sometimes my jokes aren't taken well when you don't know me as a full human. But I will say that I do kind of feel like I am these ants alien experiment or experience because think about it. Like suddenly there was this thing hovering over me 
and then it sucked me up into it. And I was just in this vessel, and I don't know how long I was there. And then suddenly I was released into the backyard. <laughs> and that only seems to happen in, like, very rural areas anyway, so your ants are rednecks. <laughs> oh, probably, y'all. I mean, oh, my gosh, it just takes me back to that SNL skit with Kate McKinnon, and it just makes me die inside when I think about it. When they did uh, – did you see that? It was Ryan Gosling. Oh, oh, okay. I got to share that one because it's, it's the best. Like, Kate McKinnon breaks pretty much And you are frozen. Oh, I should be back. Am I back? You are back, but, yeah, it's slight. Yeah, like, froze for a second in midair. Yeah. Yeah, Where should I backtrack to? Just Uh, You were just talking about Kate McKinnon. Oh, okay. So, Kate McKinnon. So, what they are is they are interviewing these three people who have survived being abducted by aliens. And, like, two of them are all like, oh, it was just like this gorgeous beam of light, and I was embraced by love. And Kate McKinnon is, like, you know, got a cigarette hanging out her mouth and got her beer. And she's like, well, that ain't, like, the kind of party I had. And it is just so flippin' funny. She breaks everybody, and they actually came together, like, a long time afterwards and did, like, uh kind of a, a callback to it. They got Ryan Gosling back on and they did the same skit with the same type of uh, premise. And Saturday Kate McKinnon Night Live never done that. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> but this one, they, they didn't actually repeat this one time and time though. Like it was just kind of this one thing they did with Ryan Gosling on there. And then they did it again when he came back like years later. So yeah, lot, lots of payouts. So yes, I have been abducting the ants in my apartment and sending them outside. <laughs> It reminds me of that Bill Hicks bit where he talked about um, playing the comedy pouch in Possum Ridge, Arkansas, and um, like uh, audience members told him that um, you know they had like uh, aliens visit their town and that they they came to the alien they they uh, came to the spot where the aliens supposedly uh, were at armed, and um, he said, well, "Why did you come armed?" And you know they said, um, "Because they don't you know we don't want them to." Duct us and he's like what and leave all this <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know he's like if i lived in this town i'd be praying for abduction every day <laughs> you know greyhound abduction <laughs> but anyway so back to what we were actually trying to talk about before i fucked up my mute button <laughs> that's, that's what happened is like my brain went turn off the vacuum then unmute your mic and my brain went what's that unmute mic and then turn off vacuum so (laughs) (laughs) and there go more ants all right (laughs) ants were more in the vessel but anyway sorry i'm not just being frustrated (laughs) all right now what we wanted to do is kind of go through the ballots here now that obviously if you don't live in portland oregon some of this may not mean jack squat to you but we are doing this as a way to kind of encourage uh, the folks that listen to this to vote so if you live outside of portland and this does not apply to you there is comparable information to look for even if it's a matter of going to um you know the websites of the candidates in your area um the only way we are going to be able to affect any sort of long-term change is if we all fight for it we can't rest on our laurels and that means voting each and every election so wanted to go through the ballots here give some quick thoughts 
Yeah, and like a lot of it, it might just be a little bit more skimming over it. I know there's a little bit more that, you know, Tim had read of, I felt like one looked like, you know, hey, you can vote for a younger version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you have that same person. But the first one that I've got is uh, the director position two for Multnomah Education Services. And see, so just to talk about like kind of the narrative that I get with some of my friends on this stuff and um, also a side note, if you didn't get stuff like this, like this is totally that time of year. You can totally go check and just make sure if you're having any sort of special elections around this. But um, so education stuff, like I do hear a lot of friends, like particularly, you know, in my age group that don't have kids are like, well, why should I care about education? And so just my quick thing of why you should totally care about this is as a community member, if you want people to be well educated and if you want to have a voice in how education is happening, especially on the public level, this is where your voice gets heard. So you can't make fun of the lowest demographic and not be voting in the education of the demographics. But uh, that, that's my humble opinion on it. But, uh, yeah, so what do you have on your first one? Uh, my first one, uh, yeah, Education Service District, uh, uh, Multnomah Education Service District uh, Director Position 2 at large. Um, that gives us uh, the incumbent Helen Ying uh, facing off against the wonderful Leo Morley. Um, when I read his, I knew him, even though Helen Ying was endorsed by the wonderful Ted Wheeler, um, I would still probably have to vote for her because Leo uh, says his occupation is landlord. And in this town, that makes me immediately suspicious, thanks to, one, how powerful the landlords, unnecessarily powerful the landlords are in this town, and two, how routinely they, you know, will do whatever they can to, you know, screw their tenants. That is not to say that this guy is a bad landlord. I don't know what type of landlord he is, so it's not a comment on him personally. I am just, that just makes me suspicious. Number two, he's running for an education board. And now in these packets that they give you, this the information that you see with the candidate is provided by the candidate's team. Yes, we've, we've I've, I've pointed out that this is basically the resume. This is our version of the resume we get. They put it together. Nobody puts it together for, unless they pay somebody to, you know, just yeah. like I could pay somebody to make a resume for me if I wanted. But that's the first thing I honestly noticed is, you know, I had said that in our election one when we talked about it before. I am drawn to a resume that is a little bit more resume-y. And you look at Helen Ying and mm -hmm. she's got bullet points. She's got quotes from people like, you know, backing her. She's got a clear occupational background that makes sense for working in education because that's the other thing to look at like just because somebody's main occupation is retired landlord it doesn't mean they didn't go and get different occupational background or you know maybe they volunteered a lot in some special committees and things i'm not seeing that on, yeah. on leo stuff so that's where my skepticals go up but i think there was i see what something that we had joked about earlier that i think yeah. you're dying to get to for this education person <laughs> yes this guy who wants to replace helen yang as the multnomah education service district the director at large for position two the last thing he wrote is school need to be now Yes, so yeah. <laughs> attention to detail needed to be then, but school yeah. needed to be now. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, Leo, you're not getting my vote. 
um, because one that, but two, you know, school vouchers and charter schools, uh, you know, when people support that, that usually ends up being a dog whistle to uh, defund public schools. Now, to be clear, that does not mean that there are bad char- uh, that all charter schools are bad. There are definitely good ones out there, but there needs to be consistent funding for public education in this country because, you know, as you pointed out, you know, um, it, it, it routinely doesn't, especially for the poorer parts of the country or the minority parts of the country. You know, I mean, if you're a rich white person, upper middle class white person, you're either going to get good ed- education at a richer public school that has a bigger budget or more than likely your parents are going to be like homeschooling you or sending you to uh, a private school. And yeah. even then that, that, you know, screws the poor kids out there. So I'm always suspicious about that because again, the people that, that say that are not necessarily looking f- for a good solution that will positively affect everybody. They just want to save some money on their property taxes because routinely the the budgets for schools come from property taxes and when you got a guy like a landlord who i'm you know sure doesn't like paying any sort of property taxes at all you know he's it's clear it's clear reading this that you know he has no history in education whatsoever he's simply doing it so he, he doesn't have to pay taxes and other people in his position don't have to pay higher taxes yeah, it even says prior governmental experience, none. I mean, granted, I don't know this man on a personal level. Um, and I know I had discussed with you just kind of privately, you know, I've had a little bit of a different experience with voucher programs. Now, granted, does that mean I've spent a lot of time looking into are they overall the best thing since sliced bread? Would they be like a good fix for kind of the education system? No, I haven't done that much research. Yeah. But yeah, I did, like, especially now, like having it pointed out, like, wait a second, he's got no governmental background he's a retired landlord and i actually didn't know that public school funding came from from property tax so that's actually kind of an interesting thing to put together with that one yeah so um that yeah that is there so like i said helen ying even though she is endorsed by the wonderful ted wheeler um you know she's already in that position she has the experience and and to to be clear i want to make it clear i don't you know i think I don't think a person necessarily has to have government experience to get into a certain position. You know, I mean, like, you know, look at Barack Obama, for instance. He didn't have much time in the Senate before um, he, you know, ran for president and ultimately won. And, you know, his presidency wasn't perfect, but I think it went, you know, relatively okay, um, if you ask me. So I don't think um, prior government experience is necessarily something you should look for but you would think that there would be some form of comparable experience in his regular work that related to education and i'm just not seeing it you know i mean yeah i mean it's like he worked in the department of veterans affairs the portland medical center he was a healthcare aid staff at their escort division which is great Uh, you know we need more people like that but how does that apply towards uh the position he's he's going for so bye leo you're (laughs) you're gone probably not getting my vote either granted you know i will probably sit with this as i do when i vote from home because i've already gotten my ballots like that Mm -hmm. happened today too so i'll get to sit down yep see tim's just filling his out now that's what we could be doing is just voting together (laughs) and just having like a live voting thing maybe we should do that like on on uh november times when we're 
voting all at the same time. That could be a fun twist on it. Like, Tim and oh, yeah. Tracy vote. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, I mean, that would be a good way to, you know, in- encourage people. And it, it allows us to talk out the issues. So we're not making a decision based on this person bad because they're bad. You know, or <laughs> This person like looks like that uncle I didn't like. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't actually know why people pick what they pick sometimes. But uh, so well, what is your next one? Do you have director position three? Um, I, the next one I have is the Portland School District Director Zone 4. Dang it, because I was hoping you had position 3 Zone 2, because... Are you talking about Mary Botkin? I am, because that's what I was like, oh my gosh, she kind of looks like Mrs. Doubtfire, like a little bit younger than what they made her look to be. Like in the movie, she totally reminded me of Mrs. Doubtfire for just a second flipping through this. In a good way, like... I'm not saying that to be mean at all. I love Mrs. Doubtfire, and I even thought the makeup they did, like, that he looked like a, like a very sweet woman. He did. Like, that was, like, they did a good job. It's V. Neal. Come on. Like, she doesn't yeah. fuck around with a look. Um, so, yeah, I was like, that totally caught my eye flipping. There's like, is that Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> it kind of looks like, uh, do you remember Total Recall when Arnold Schwarzenegger came, uh, like, arrived on Mars, but and it was like a woman, uh, a woman arrived on Mars, but then, like, she started, like, stuttering, and then, like, pulls her head off, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then he throws the head to somebody, and, and then it's, like, a, the person holding it is, like, looking at it, and then you see the head's eyes open, and the woman goes, get ready for a surprise, and then it explodes. Looks kind of unsettling. I have not seen that movie, but uh, it is kind of funny that she's reminding us both of, like, things we've seen in in entertainment. Like, that's pretty great. (laughs) What kind of Americans are we just goofing? (laughs) Opening it up just to goof on people. um, Oh, no, 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 no. That's why I wanted to be so clear. Like, not goofing. (laughs) It just really got my attention for a second because I – that's one of those movies that I just – it's a very endearing movie for me. Like, it brings back, like, some good memories. You know, Robin Williams kind of reminds me of my dad when I was a kid mm-hmm. and you know no secret I went through a divorce with my parents and it wasn't pleasant so I mean that with all of the love in the world Mary Botkin if you have somehow heard of our podcast and listened to this just know I say that from a place of love <laughs> and I love Total Recall so I, I I swear I was not being that much of a jackass but if you see me and you want to kick me in the nuts you get one free shot how about that <laughs> there we go but yeah so really with some of this voting stuff like a lot of what I look for is are they already currently like it doesn't point it out as well i think i've noticed in um in this one because i felt like the the november one it actually said like recumbent like if they were you know trying to get to stay on but either we have no recumbents or they're not marking it as well as they did yeah and who knows yeah i mean i don't know about um uh, the voting type of procedures for this. So it may be a situation to where they don't necessarily have an incumbents that it's a fresh elections each time or something like that. But you know, same people would still get voted in or, or whatever. But yeah, I'm, it, it, you're right. It's not showing that even on the previous page, it, cause it's stating reelect. And that's the only indication that I have for Helen Ying that she, um, you know, is currently in that position. It does not say incumbent next to her name. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it looks like they're not marking it for the special election. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting, like, the difference in endorsements. So we've got Mary Bodkin and Walt Karstein. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I don't – it's interesting, intellectual property attorney. <laughs> I always find it interesting when they also bring up, like, they're a parent, like, how many kids they have. But right. I guess, like, that's supposed to imply that I guess they care more because they've got kids in the system. And, see, that's just something that doesn't – sell to me um because i care a lot about the school system even before like i had stepkids in my life i do not have any biological children just in case anybody was ever curious about that one i don't have any but um you know i've got a pretty big heart and i care a lot about our education system so that kind of stuff like always like gets my attention but it's not always a good thing for me because it's like "Mm, why do you feel the need to tell me that you have kids like do you have other things to stand on yeah, and well, the thing the president mentioned in his uh, speech on Wednesday was the fact that we are not funding education like other countries are. You know, we are quickly falling behind um, while other companies like Japan, China, you know, Germany are far exceeding us in terms of students because those countries properly invest in their education systems. This is not money that is being thrown away here. We're talking about investing our kids. And even if you don't have any kids, Investing in education is a positive thing for not only your local community, but on state and national levels as well, because that's more kids that are going to get, you know, a chance at getting better jobs and being better, better citizens in society. You know, I mean, yeah, that's kind of my point. We should care about this, like whether you've got kids that are going to be in the education system or not. You should totally care. Uh, An opinion I never mind sharing is if I ever wound up raising a child, may I have one, adopt one, whatever that happens. I don't intend on sending them to public school. Yeah. Um, The reason I'm looking at (laughs) there's a squirrel that has become fascinated with me. And right outside my window is a fence to the neighbor's yard. And right now the squirrel's just sitting there like eating a nut, just kind of looking at me. And he, like, like earlier, the Asian stare down, just, yeah. Didn't you send like an apple or talk about like him? You had a video or something of him in like yeah. an apple core or something, right? Just No, I, yeah, it, it's the same squirrel, but it was a flower from the neighbor's tree that he was just sitting there eating while looking at the window. He knows that, uh, that humans are in here. So, and it's it very, very clearly a he because, ooh, the ladies, I'm sure, you know, you can see. Oh, the nuts on that squirrel. That squirrel is packing some nuts for winter is what Tim is saying. That's kind of how he figured out that Cuckoo was a boy. It's it's like, oh, he's sitting on the log. Yep. (laughs) That's that's definitely behind him with his tail up. Cuckoo is a dude. (laughs) But yeah, he is gone now. But um, yeah, like um, I was saying for mine, uh, I had uh, the Portland School District Director Zone 4, and that's uh, Brooklyn Sherman, Herman Green, and Margot Logan, you're supposed to vote for one of them. Um, Margot, it looks like, has some previous uh, government uh, government uh, experience, as well as both Brooklyn and Herman. Um, Herman, it looks like, is a pastor, senior pastor of Abundant Life uh, Church. 
don't know the politics of that particular church. I, I you know, I, in this town, more than likely, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it being like a follower of like Jerry Falwell or <laughs> something like that. But you do got to. I, I think it is fair to question when religious figures get involved in politics. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, you want them making the best choice, best choices for uh, the people as a whole, even if that may be something that goes against their beliefs you know yeah um and i actually i don't have that one at all uh that would be on page m46 but uh as we were discussing beforehand you know uh, you know for like education stuff it's kind of zoned similar to like representatives you know so um it's just people for my area that's uh who uh who i would vote who i would have to vote for now who is on uh, your list uh, so are we talking about that director zone four thing? Cause man, there's like a lot of zone four. I'm back on M19 <laughs> and I've got position four zone four. And the one that I wanted to talk about a little bit was just interesting because, uh, Jessica Arzate, I will mm-hmm. apologize. I do attempt to try to say names that I'm not familiar with, but so sorry if I'm butchering that Jessica, but yeah, I, I really find her interesting. I, something had caught my eye was, uh, she wants to support trauma informed practice practices and mental health support for students in school and see like seeing things like that is what's going to get somebody like me my attention in there because that is something that is a reason I don't personally want to send a child that I would be raising to public school I that's my I I don't I want to be so clear I do not judge anybody who does send their kid I just have a what I feel a laundry list of my personal reasons why I wouldn't but that definitely falls under them is kind of just not being very trauma-informed and how sometimes the school experience can actually exacerbate trauma that kids experience. Um, Like, especially if they do have a rough home life and then they're still getting bullied and picked on at school. It's just sometimes it can be a very crushing environment. So... I love seeing stuff like that. And then you can see that they actually have a background. Uh, we're working for an educational nonprofit. Uh, meanwhile, I guess the one going against her, well, also has an educational nonprofit background and tutoring. But the occupation uh, was a small business owner before it was listed. So, that, you know, just things to kind of, I guess, keep in mind as you go through this. Do you have Jessica Arzate and Gabriel Brait? Negative, negative. Negative. So I get to care about that one. I don't know. That one pulls me. But, of course, when I actually sit here and vote, because, you know, the Mr. Reverend and I will probably do pretty much what you and I are doing, except we've got the exact same ones. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, like for me, uh, like the next one on mine is the Portland school district director zone five. And that is on page M 48. Um, that's Pitts Gary Hollins versus Daniel Rogers. Um, yeah, looks like, yeah, it looks like they both have somewhat comparable, um, you know, experience education uh, experience as well um i'm assuming based on the people that are supporting him in the we support gary section that he is uh that he i'm assuming he may be the incumbent on here and probably someone i would go for here too because uh some of the organizations that do support him like the naacp Obviously, in Portland, of all places, Portland needs all the support it can for its minority communities. So, um, yeah, I think I would definitely uh, go for him there. But uh, who do you have next? Uh, 
Um, so yeah, I've got Gary Hollins and Daniel Rogers too. I just wanted to say they both have some smiles, man. <laughs> like they got excellent smiles for their photos. I, I'd gladly go up and shake either of their hands. But and, yeah, and, that Gary's Gary. got kind of an impressive support behind him. Like the thing that catches my eye is anything with uh, what did I just see it? Yeah, Planned Parenthood pack of Oregon. You know, yeah. I I like Planned parenthood oh my god nobody killed me please um because <laughs> they actually do a lot with cancer prevention like and i really hope that if you've gotten anything out of awareness of planned parenthood like that's the thing that if you disagree with anything else they do which is in the like point percentages i think of what they actually offer would be the abortion services yeah but how much cancer screening std screening help as well as treatment like they they help with a lot of that, so that's that's something that I try to keep an eye out for when I see that name. Yeah, back in high school, um, I actually technically worked for Planned Parenthood. They had um, I, I I don't know if it's still around, but they had a program to where they would hire really hire uh, high school students to show up at Planned Parenthood for a couple of hours a day after after um, school to just learn about like sex ed stuff and everything that um, everything that Planned Parenthood does and that was a very eye-opening experience and something i was very glad to uh, be a part of now i was going to say with gary here he does have a bitch in van dyke and as someone who is kind of sporting one right now and who had the prof professor actually bought me like a beard uh like a grooming kit and it's got like this brush with like boar's hair on it that i've been brushing oh uh, yeah boar brush i actually use that because uh side note to anybody else who does fantasy colors washing your hair is just it it strips it all out and that's what makes it all dull but if you trade it out and you don't have to wash it every time but you can use a bore brush and dry brush your hair out to help keep it clean so that you uh -huh. don't have to wash it all the time but yeah that's really great and it can keep uh, that itchiness oh it took care of it a lot a big mm -hmm. time because that's uh, that's probably why i because i never had a brush like that before and anytime in the past where i would grow the van dyke because of my face with facial hair this is really the only type of facial hair i am comfortable with i feel this is the only thing that grows in but in the past it would be like with a i would let it grow for a couple of months and then just it would just get too itchy and then i would shave it you know but yeah. now you know using like the beard balm or the beard oil <laughs> along with the brush uh and everything like that and even fancy scissors too yeah it's oh. like damn it the hipsters had something right and it was beard maintenance <laughs> uh, yeah yeah basically but um okay uh what do you have next on your ballot so i do have director's zone six on mine between julia brim edwards and matthew max margolis is that who you've got too and libby glenn oh, libby glenn is that the next picture oh yep sorry there's yes. sorry libby they didn't have <laughs> libby on the label for me it was on another page <laughs> Yeah. So, I do love like when people have prior government experience NA. Like, let's just put not applicable under there. <laughs> <laughs> like, instead of leaving it blank, they just put NA. I just think that's kind of funny. Yeah, his job. He, uh, we're talking Matthew uh, Max Margolis. Um, he's a reading tutor. Um, his present occupation. His present occupation too is a father. Um, <laughs> crime prevention program administrator for Southeast Portland, fine, I guess, and a couple of other things. But um, yeah, I, I 
this this guy appears to be running just as more of a vanity project than anything else. I don't know if he has any sort of a legitimate chance whatsoever compared to uh, the uh, compared to like someone to just his left there, Julia Brim Edwards. Um, and and you know it's like you do want to be open to someone that may not have had a ton of government experience, but again, presentation's everything. The, this information that we're reading is provided by the candidates themselves and when it looks like it's something they put together within like five minutes or less on Microsoft Word and didn't proper, properly format it or anything or put any effort into making it look good how how why would I be impressed by you why would I want to, to spend any time like trying to find your website or something like that I mean yep. you know because I mean it's just the same as if I were to put in a resume at a job and if I put my resume and it looked like you know more like Max or Libby's where it's just a few paragraphs and there's nothing really nothing to really drag your attention to why uh, I my resume deserves your attention it's really hard to take my eye away from Julia's so I guess if there's anybody out there considering running because most of these like one of my friends is running for one of the educational slots not in one that I can vote for because he lives right. in a totally different area. But like, yeah, he's a really great guy and I know he's worked with some really great stuff and you know, he, but he's just somebody that I know. So on the off chance that you ever decide to run for one of these things, it's like, you know, maybe consider thinking of it like a resume and putting it together really well. Cause I want to vote for Julia just based on how she's got things laid out. Granted, of course I'm going to sit here and go through it before I ever put pen to paper. But uh, I think she might be the current one, but she's a senior director at Nike, but a school volunteer. Yeah, and, and, and to be clear, like I, I wouldn't recommend basing your potential vote by just what you read here. Take some time to go to their website, um, you know, put it out to social media as well. Talk to your friends and and see if they, I mean, because you'd be surprised at the people that are actively, uh, you know, active in keeping track and what's happening in, in government. You know, if you got um, friends that have kids and actively go to school and if they're a part of stuff like the PTA, find out their opinion. More than likely, they know the these people or know of their work so do do a, a, a deeper dive you know that's that doesn't hurt anybody and don't just yeah i mean it's like we i know i was flipping on a couple a couple of them but um that was admittedly me being flipping just trying to bring the joke for the sake of being a joke i would not base my opinion i wouldn't not vote for somebody just because they look like they were in total recall once you know <laughs> right exactly and it's like i i also don't want to like overlook somebody who just maybe doesn't have resume writing experience or in this case you know writing your little your little stump speech I guess so to speak is what this is supposed to replace right because these people don't go around and advocate for themselves or you know go and give speeches and stuff this is how you learn about them so uh, yeah if you've got a minute I mean that's kind of the beauty about having this ballot at home is I can have my computer right here and give myself all of the supplemental information that I could possibly want so if Mm -hmm. I go through Julia Brim Edwards I'm like man I am just really not sold like once I actually get into this and read it you know, but it's like, man, I am kind of interested in some of this background because, hey, there is nothing wrong with your primary occupation being a parent. Because that no. actually, here's where I will put that this example actually makes sense when I'm looking at this because it's saying, like, hey, I haven't not done anything these last handful of years, like 2008 to present. If you're looking at all of this stuff, 
you're you're like, wow, what have you been doing? Just like with a resume or just like when you're filling out a job app, when you have a gap in work, it can look kind of weird. So I'm, I'm actually going to support this man talking about him being a father in this situation. To me, it's funny when you have all of this background and then you still throw it in. Oh, I'm a parent of like eight kids. I mean, granted, I haven't seen anything like Octomom numbers, but um. Uh, yeah, like this one, it actually kind of makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. I just realized, like, I kind of wanted, I, I don't know why, like, looking at it again, I wanted to clarify, like, yeah, like, that one, that actually kind of makes sense. Yep. Um, do you have anything else on the front page of your ballot? Um, I, I don't. Okay. On the back page of my ballot, I just have one city measure, um, city measure 26-221. That would uh, be a five-year levy, um, Oregon Historical Society Library Museum Educational Programs. The question, shall the county renew a five-year history uh, museum library educational programs levy, maintain a five uh, sent per $1,000 assessed value oversight beginning 2021. This measure renews current local option taxes. Basically, it's um, like, for instance, somebody that owned a home, if it was assessed at $200,000, they'd be paying $10 a year. Um, and that would go stuff go, go towards stuff like education programs, free admission for school groups and Noma County residents of these uh, organizations, um, preservation of important Oregon treasures and artifacts. You want to protect your history um it supports four county historical societies the fairview rockwood wilkes historical society the gresham historical society the troutdale historical society and the crown point country historical society i didn't stutter yeah and ohs Great will job. yeah ohs will continue to build on its efforts to provide exhibits and services that reflect the diverse histories of our region and engage all parts of our county i have no problem supporting that you know, ed education is not a bad thing. Um, and, you know, I, I could still see somebody that that pays t uh, property taxes on a regular basis being upset at any sort of raise in that tax. But again, this is not money that the government's taking just to put it in its put in their pockets, you know, and we, we got to we got to think of taxes as just investments. If we're not investing our tax money into our infrastructure, into our education system in this country, we're going to have some problems. And. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, likely something I'm going to be in favor for, but I do want to point out that this, as well as the other measures, so if you do, there's there's a second measure that depending on where you're at, it could end up on your ballot. It doesn't look like it's on mine either, but it's measure 5285, but the thing that both of these measures have in common is if you notice, there are only arguments in favor. Now, this could be because there's just legitimately nobody actively arguing against it, but personally my choice is when I see that I still want to go up and look this up and look at more into it just because if you're only getting the arguments in favor and you're only getting the pitch written by the people who proposed it then you're only getting that one-sided story and that's the only thing that makes me a little bummed when that happens granted this might be totally one of those situations like yeah because there's really not bad to say about it but I would encourage that when you see stuff like that, don't be scared to go and look up and see what's all involved in the bill. You might find something that says, oh, it actually says like some of this money is going to kicking orphans or whatever. Like it obviously wouldn't be yeah, yeah. hyperbolic, but you know, you can make those determinations just because it doesn't say it in here. Uh, so that's the only thing that piqued my interest about the measure ballots on this special election is I definitely will be spending some time looking at them uh, uh -huh. just to make sure fully what I'm voting in favor for. 
Uh, and yeah, that that is very much good advice there too, because um, you know the big argument that conservatives have had against progressives ever since the Reagan era on is that liberals, progressives love to throw money at things with no accountability whatsoever. They think they can just solve everything with money, and um, one, not true, but two, it's not a bad thing to you know want to find out where the money is going to be used, because yeah, you know. Think about how many government programs on federal, state, or local levels you've heard of where lots of money has been wasted, like on like $100 toilet seats or something like that. You know, just, you know, government waste affects everybody. And I think looking to see where the money goes is not a bad thing to do at all. Now, again, I'm still probably going to be inclined to support this. But yeah, to your point, if uh, there was ever, uh, if there was something in there that was questionable in terms of where the money went then yeah blindly voting for something just because it says all the right words in the ballot without taking the time to study it that would be a big fail exactly and yeah but to me it's it's really clear like you don't have to necessarily nat's ass look up everything right but yeah. for me one of those no-brainers is yeah if you're all against arguments are in there and you have no favorable arguments and if there's all favorable and no against i that's where i personally feel just extra encouraged to go and make sure and read because that's the other rub with a special election is with less people being aware of it you're going to suffer in that sense of you're not getting necessarily the full argument for or against something so that is something that you kind of pay for in the sense with these but fortunately it's not usually measure after measure after measure it's maybe one or two things so it's not super exhaustive to like look into it for a second yeah, and, and, and routinely in the past, you know, for elections like this, it is usually much, much older conservative people that are voting, and they routinely don't necessarily vote to support stuff like this. So if you want that change, this is one thing you can do to actually contribute towards that change. Uh, definitive steps here. So anything else about uh, this election you want to uh, bring up? No, other than just if, if you got the voters pamphlet and just take a second, try to go through it. And if you feel confident in voting, vote. If you're not going to care enough to actually like look into <laughs> it, maybe let this one pass. But I, I hope you guys maybe care a little bit more about these things. Like I, I, I'm really hoping that what we have experienced as a country has taught us that we need to care for these little things too because there could have easily been some other special election seat in here that otherwise you might not have known about. Um, and if you don't get these things, if you can find anything from like your uh, preferably, you know, a secure, um, like a trusted site where your state or your county or whatever, like puts up announcements about special elections. See if you can subscribe to it. Like there's a lot of little tools out there right now that we can use to try to keep our finger on the pulse of things and help make some of these small changes. Granted, it doesn't look like, you know, nobody in the Senate randomly just like quit or anything bad happened and then we're, you know, trying to vote for the Senate or the House or something. Nothing like that in this one. No such drama. But uh, it, it's still a smart thing to keep your finger on the pulse of it. 
And, and, you know, yeah, especially with education here, you know, this is an investment on your future. This, you know, this is, you know, it could be, you know, involve taxes in some way in terms of like property taxes and whatnot. But if we don't invest properly in education, um, yeah, this, you know, this little experiment called America could be a little rougher than it currently is. So vote, vote and vote again. Because the worst thing that can happen is to really just regress back to being convinced that voting can't ever work. I'm not saying it has solved everything to date, obviously, but I don't think I'm ready to throw it away and go back to where we have to have, you know, constant violent protests in order to get things to change. I would really like to encourage people to get your voice in here where we can. By all means, still protest. Practice your freedom of speech. Practice getting out there and getting messages out there. I mean, hey, like, I advocate like for awareness on parental alienation. There's other people that advocate on other forms of child abuse. And there's people that advocate for definitely Black Lives Matter. Oh, my God, I want those people to advocate for that mm-hmm. but uh yeah like get your awareness out there and, and and get informed and get involved exactly and keep on listening to friends talking nerdy uh this coming wednesday uh we are going to have our first date night double episode the professor and i uh we're going to be talking about two albums uh one from a group called pairs it's a self-titled album called pairs uh, and we'll also be talking about uh, uh the album called the ride from a group called bad cop bad cop now because we have switched our podcast host from Simplecast to anchor um as i've mentioned before we're going to have the ability of actually having music from these bands in this episode uh, when we talk about it, which is going to be really cool, uh, you know, to kind of break things up so you don't have to hear us rambling on about the music all the time. You'll actually be able to judge for yourself whether you like it. Now, um, one thing to keep in mind for that is that because Anchor allows this, because they are owned by Spotify, this Wednesday's episode is going to be a Spotify exclusive episode. Because music is going to be attached legally, it can only be played on Spotify so that the music uh so so that the musicians are able to get their royalties properly but um this coming wednesday you'll be able to hear that episode next saturday of course we will be back here same friends talking nerdy time same friends talking nerdy channel um you know (laughs) see now you can tell when i'm vacuuming because now we know what it looks like when i'm like getting them (laughs) yeah like fucking ants fuck you you (laughs) i got to i've got to go empty my vessel soon so you know i I will be back next week same bat time same bat channel and i look forward to having less ants all right so go free those prisoners and we will see you all next week Bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.